You're listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast. Welcome to The Whole Truth podcast. I'm Paul Armstrong's business partner, Nicholas Reed, filling in for him for the last time as Paul finishes off his fishing expedition up north. Let's hope he caught some big ones. I'm sure we'll find out next week. I just had a fascinating chat with Dr. Matt Greentree. He's the managing director of Ozgold, a junior gold company with big ambitions to transform itself into the next significant gold producer on the ASX over the next couple of years. To be fair, Ozgold is a name that's been kicking around the junior resources space in WA for some time. After listing all the way back in 2009, the company started out life exploring the famed Dulgunna region of WA near Sandfire Resources' spectacular DeGrasse discovery. In 2010, it turned its attention to the Katanning Gold Project, located in Wheatbelt Country, around three hours' drive south of Perth. Lots of water's gone under the bridge since then, so I'm going to fast forward to last month when Osgold unveiled a major resource upgrade for Katanning to just a shade over three million ounces. The announcement attracted a fair bit of attention as it positions Katanning as the largest free milling open cut gold development project in WA. Underpinned by this impressive resource, a feasibility is already well underway for a 5 million tonne a year operation that could see Katanning become one of the largest new gold projects in Australia. As you'll hear, this is a project that ticks a lot of boxes from an investor's perspective. And yet, it's been flying under the radar in a number of respects. But that could all be about to change as Osgold starts to make the transition from explorer to developer and ultimately producer. Matt, it's been a, a big month or so for Osgold following your resource upgrade. Do you think Osgold is finally coming of age? Yeah, look, it's, it's been a journey for Osgold. Um, and we've had high ambitions for a long time. Holding a, a land package, 5,500 square kilometres in the region that's not had the exploration attention that the rest of the Yulgarn has. But the 3 million ounce mark for the resource really does demonstrate the project in the region has scale to host uh, very large ore bodies. Um, our pre-feasibility study last year highlighted the potential there and we've only grown that with more drilling and expanding out the resource. If you have a look at any of our presentations, we also demonstrate outside the resources further potential. So we continue on as an explorer alongside our development. So we've got that two-pronged strategy. So Yes, I, I guess to answer your first question, we are coming of age. Um, we're looking at the project through a development lens now. So we're bringing through um, the view on on that scale, um, larger 5 million tonne throughput. That gives us, you know, 155,000 ounces over the first, first six years or so. A uh, long life of mine, um, 10 years plus, and, and we're continuing to add resource. So every time we've put a resource statement out, the resource got bigger, we've improved the grade, um, we've also improved our understanding of the geology in that region. And, and I think that's something that is probably uh, quite an important thing to discuss as well. We're working in a region that hasn't received much exploration in the past. And now there's lots of reasons for that, and you can take analogies, um, you know, the Yamana district with Gold Road, um, the Pilbara with the Grey. Um, it does take a while to understand the region, and these discoveries sometimes don't come easily early on. But as the geologist understands what these deposits look like um, and 
starts adding and building onto those, you start to see that that resource growth. And over the last couple of years, we've we've added, um, you know, over two million ounces on last couple of resource upgrades. So we've seen a, seen a, a, a fairly large expansion in that that resource growth. Just before we we go into what's coming up, because it is a really exciting time for the company, I. I just did want to touch a little bit on the history, not not for long, because we, we know that, the, you know, good gold stories can take a while to come to fruition. But the, one of the fascinating things about this project is that it was actually mined, wasn't it? And so tell us a bit about that. Yeah, look, the, the gold was first discovered in 1979 by older gold in this region, stream sediment normally. Uh, there's been a few little scratchings around the district for gold and copper um, and a little bit of silver. So there's been a view that there's mineralisation around, and there's no surprises there. It's part of the Yilgon Craton. You know, it's one of the biggest gold-producing regions in the world. Um, but the rocks look a little different to to what we see in these gold fields, and I think that's thrown a lot of companies off the scent. And, and combined with being on freehold land, so there's a bit of discussion required with the farmers before you march in and, and start start drilling. I, I think that's really discouraged a lot of explorers. Um, but, you know, the, there was that discovery in 79 and mining in, in the late 1990s. Now, that mining phase lasted about 18 months and was probably ill-conceived at the time. Um, it was put together in the lowest gold price environment in living memory, um, 1997, I think. Anyone who's been in the industry for some time probably remembers that as probably the worst time for, for gold. Yeah, absolutely. They were they were tough, tough, tough times. But uh, so you've got a you've you've got what was a gold mine. You've you've done a lot of work. You've built up a now what is a three million ounce resource inventory. It's pretty impressive. What's and essentially it's a it's an entire sort of greenstone belt as well, isn't it? So no no different to what we what you see in the eastern and northeastern gold fields. No, not at all. And. Um We've mapped out two and a half thousand square kilometres of greenstone. So if you look at all our sort of mid-tier piers, they'd be envious of that scale of project. Um, it's as a first move, we've had the opportunity to to put our foot on that ground. And typically, with the the sort of gold assets that you see in the eastern gold fields, once you're onto one of these greenstone hosted assets, they often can keep growing for many, many, many years, decades even, um, into the future. There's no reason why this, this is any different to that, is there? No, I, I don't think so. The, the three million ounces occur over about two and a half, three kilometre strike length. Um, we've mapped out gold mineralisation along that structure for over 20 kilometres. Um, so I think, you know, over time, uh, we'll start to see that, that resource inventory grow. Um, as I alluded to earlier, every time we drill, we find more gold and we build out that resource. And that's putting aside some of these other areas that we're fairly bullish on. We did some work and upgraded the resource at Datatine in the last resource statement. And there's more work to do that. And that's on the northern end of our project. But there's also areas like Stanley and Duggan, which have shown some very high grade intercepts. And we're working on those at the moment. And I think that's the sort of thing that we'll see see some material uh, growth in the future. So let's talk about the development story quickly because it's, it's, a, it's a good one. Um, I th- it was August 22, I think, that you put out your pre-feasibility study. Um, what did that tell you, essentially? 
Yeah, so we put that out August 1st, first day of Diggers and Dealers in 22. Um, <laughs> and look, it, it, what it showed was um, some, some scale that I think the market hadn't appreciated before. Uh, we, we had a 2.16 million ounce resource at the time and the, the ore reserve converted to, to a 1.28 million ounce ore reserve. So one of the largest, if not the largest open pit resource in the in Western Australia, if you, if you take away DeGray. Um, and it also showed options and potential for scale. So there's a couple of things in that. We used a, a fairly high cutoff grade and effectively high graded that that ore reserve and it showed really good economics. Um, but what we also recognised, and we put that in that statement, is there's a clear pathway for a much larger project. And we investigated that through the earlier part of this year. And that's where we've looked at expanding the project from 3 million tonnes per annum, which delivered around 100,000 ounces um, gold, um, to something much larger, to a 5 million tonne project, which really is a step change and gives us 155,000 ounces over those first critical years. And there's a couple of years in there that we're getting close to 200,000 ounce mark. So there's some options there and part of the view we have as a company is that introducing some more high grade material and, and looking at some of our regional plays as well as some of the depth extents of of the main uh, jinkers ore body there's an opportunity to, to add that material in life of mine and expand that that gold production as well so you've uh, you're now working on that expanded scale of project which is a really interesting point because there's not a lot coming up in the gold space of scale, is there? No, it's, I think there's been a, a real lack of exploration wholesale across across uh, Western Australia, uh, for gold particularly. Uh, even looking at diggers and dealers this year, it was very much a, a battery metals conference. Um, although it's, you know, traditionally a, a gold fields conference, it's uh, the view of um, gold developments is, is pretty short at the moment. Um, there's one or two out there, obviously DeGray, has, has done a great job and, and now look at financing uh, Hemi. Uh, but there's uh, Capricorn with the, their project in the, in the uh, Murchison there. And I think, you know, there's limited other scale that we've seen around the gold fields. So you fit in, into a space where, you know, sort of 150 to 200,000 ounces where you, you really start to attract some serious attention at, at that at that scale and as you say outside of de Grey, and that's been a fantastic story um, there's not a lot else coming through the pipeline no it, it's a pretty uh, I think in terms of developers there's not a lot coming through so I think um, a simple project like this it's free milling um, it's well supported by by infrastructure in in a, a farming community and I, I think that's that's something else worth discussing is that it does look a little different to, to other projects. It's not uh, in a remote setting. Um, we've got uh, roads to site um, and a community um, within 30 kilometres that's very, very supportive of what we're doing and wants to see this development go forward. I was going to ask you about that because three hours south of Perth, it's a, it's a pretty amazing location. It's great, great for site visits, isn't it? But uh, are there any downsides to, to that? or I mean, what, how does the community view a new project like this? Look, all, all projects have a community and stakeholders that you have to engage with, and this is no different. Um, our community 
is traditionally a, a farming community and it does take a bit of education to, to demonstrate what a mining operation looks like. Even though there has been mining here in the past, it's of a much smaller scale that we're, we're considering in this project. Um, but having said that, uh, up the road from us, there's Boddington, which is one of Australia's biggest gold mines. Uh, I've got green bushes to the, the southwest of us and Ravensthorpe to the southeast of us. So it's not completely isolated in terms of mining, uh, but it is a different environment to develop a project. And there are different considerations there. So what does the next, I suppose, period look like for Osgold, Matt? How do you, what are the milestones and how, how does the project move forward from here? Yeah, look, we're moving through this period where we're doing a lot of work in terms of the, the studies uh, through the DFS study. Um, a lot of that's not as exciting as massive resource growth, but it's incredibly important and does demonstrate the economics of of a mining operation, and that's where we're ultimately heading. Uh, we, we've shown that this is an economic project through the PFS, and now we're, we're tightening that up through DFS, ready ready to build this. The important milestones now are the delivery of that DFS. Um, alongside that, we're putting together the permitting for the EPA, and those those permits will enable us to finance the project and develop it. So those those key milestones, you know, are, we're moving through in the in 2024 um and I, I expect to see you know some of those um decisions to be made sort of towards the end of that year so going back to our opening line about uh, osgold coming of age mm. is it conceivable that you could be looking at a investment decision sometime next year uh, and i don't want to hold you to yeah. timelines but uh, look I, I think the investment decision will probably be early in 2025 uh in all honesty um but we're moving in that that move uh, that that pathway um, as quickly as we can. Yeah, fantastic. So it's it's things are getting real now. Oh, absolutely, and you can see that with some of our latest announcements. The purchase of the property uh, down there is one of those. Um, we're doing that to to secure um, the infrastructure footprint for the project, and, and we're moving uh, through the, those approvals processes as we speak. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that property purchase. It was, I mean, that's a real indication of intent, isn't it, that, you know, this, this project is moving forward? Oh, absolutely. No, we've definitely uh, made a commitment there uh, as we move through, uh, purchase the property, develop the project. And what about exploration? We've, we've touched on the underexplored nature of this part of the southwest Yilgarn. Do you, do you keep exploring while you do the development streams and you know go through that classic lasson curve of you know developer um and ultimately producer yeah it's always a balancing act where you put your capital there um we've got a large land holding around us and there's i guess a couple of uh, things we're looking at in terms of exploration it is a massively underexplored region of western australia um and we've just put out actually on our linkedin profile there that the GSWA are running a, a deep seismic um, survey across the entire southwest, which uh, interestingly goes right through our ground and will be really interesting to see in the new year because these structures that host the Catanning Gold Project uh, are very long-lived and very deep uh, structures and have the potential to host some very large ore bodies. And we see that already. Um, a couple of those projects I've spoken to, Boddington, uh, Greenbushes, uh, 
even Charles's Julemar discovery or on the southwest Yilgarn along some of these long-lived structures are really important to the, the architecture of the Yilgarn Craton. They've never really been looked at in the detail that we are at the moment. And our main focus in terms of exploration is obviously gold. We've got some advanced prospects uh, that have shown gold mineralization in drilling, uh, economic grades. And if you have a look at Stanley or Duggan, that's some very substantial grades, over 100 grams per tonne in there. And those don't come from, well, they come from somewhere. So those grades uh, we're looking at supporting that and how could that form a, a resource and because we've got the the ground holding around it gives us a, an opportunity to do that systematic exploration that leads to those large discoveries alongside that we're also looking at these green stones uh, through the lens um, of of the battery metal space um, we're not that far from from green bushes uh, particularly on our western cogenut project it's a so it's about 60 kilometres on the road there from, from that project. So there's some real opportunities for, for lithium exploration here. And we've been doing some very low-cost um, sampling work across the region. And there's um, some thoughts around how, how we, um, I guess, take that forward. As Do we do that as Osgold or do we bring a partner in to, to help accelerate that project? And there's going to be some movement in that space. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting angle, uh, Matt, and I, I can't let you go without asking you a bit more about that because, uh, as we know, there's a lot of interest still in lithium exploration, and uh, we were, there was a period where every gold company seemed to have a have its have its lithium uh, story to add add in. But your lithium stories, gosh, that's a that's a very real one because um, I mean, Greenbushes is one of the best lithium mines in the world, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, it's, it's one of the largest, um, and it's been there for a long time in terms of mining. It was a tin mine, the tannin mine, now a lithium mine. Um, and it doesn't seem to have any friends in the neighbor, neighbourhood, so we're, we're in the neighbourhood, and so we're having a close look at that. Um, we've also got Ravensthorpe on our eastern side as well, so the, there is obvious um, a gap there in terms of what we think is an exploration gap rather than a resource gap. Um, we're working through that. Um, we conducted a, a stream sediment sampling program and we didn't expect to see uh, an ore body straight out of that. But what it does do is highlight areas that have potential and demonstrate um, elevated uh, pathfinder minerals, um, cesium, potassium, uh, lithium, tantalum. These things will and have been shown up in our 14 key target areas across our 5,500 square kilometres. So the guys have been on the ground working on that. It's not the best time of year to be accessing the paddock, so it's all been roadside work. So it's early stage, but we are advancing through that. And there's been a number of pegmatite occurrences that we've mapped out through the region. So that's very encouraging. There's a lot of work to be done there. And really what we're looking at doing is developing draw-ready targets for our summer period, which is when the farmers take their crops off from December through to, to May, is our time where we get busy on those those paddocks. Uh, and that's through our experience, so that's how we've operated over the last 10 years or so. Yeah, it's a fascinating story, Matt, and it sounds like there's a, there's a lot to come, um, and particularly with with the gold, obviously, but, you know, there's clearly going to be some value unlocked with the lithium in some shape or form. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I think it's definitely watched that space with with 
both the lithium and the gold story. But uh, we're moving fairly quickly on both. Matt, it's been great to chat. Um, thanks for coming on The Whole Truth. Um, we wish you all the very best with the project and we hope to get you back on again because this is clearly a project that's moving forward at a, at a rapid pace. So uh, maybe we can even do a podcast down in Katanning sometime. Absolutely. I'll look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Cheers. You've been listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast. Produced by Resource Media. Hosted by Nicholas Reed for Reed Corporate. Please note that Reed Corporate does not provide investment advice and investors should seek personalised advice before making any investment decisions. Listener.